DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He's the author of numerous books on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola, as well as the teachings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, including The Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, the book on which this series is based. A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thanks once more, Chris. As we can, I would say dive, not trying to be irreverent, but it is. Sometimes you just have to plunge into something that is so deep and rich. I don't think I appreciated until we began this just how beautiful the Mass can be for us as persons, whether we're alone at Mass, maybe at a daily Mass, or we're surrounded by children, or a very full assembly of people celebrating the Mass with so much activity and singing. This really is a moment of profound communion with the Lord between Him and I, as well as what is happening around me with the community. Well, I think it's uh, just growing in appreciation of the truth that the Council expresses that the Mass is the source and the summit of everything in the Christian life. And the more we really understand it, the more we'll appreciate that and the more especially we'll, we'll live it with all the transformative um, fruit that that will bring into our lives. Well, we have reached the end of the presentation of the gifts and at its conclusion, after the, um, the prayer that the priest says, we move into the preface. So we have that brief dialogue, uh, the Lord be with you and so forth. And then we have the prayer of the preface, which is concluded by the holy, holy, holy. How do we live this moment of the Mass? Now, I want to kind of approach this a little obliquely, but it will quickly make sense where we're going with this. One of the memories I have from growing up is my mother's love for the Gloria of Antonio Vivaldi, the composer. And one of the, of course, she, she loved it, meant that uh, we heard it quite often uh, growing up, and I've come to really love it too. It really is a magnificent and beautiful piece of music. If you ever want just, oh, a kind of an audio spiritual nourishment and, and uplift of heart, the, the, the exuberance, the delight, the joy, the beauty of it, will do that. But what stays in my mind is the remark that my mother once made that when she thought of the singing of the blessed in heaven, she thought that it would be something like Vivaldi's Gloria, that Vivaldi's Gloria gave us a distant glimpse of something uh, of what that singing might be. And we can think, for example, of uh, a number of passages in the book of Revelation at the end of scripture. I'm just going to read here from uh, chapter 14 the first three verses. And so John, in his visions, writes, Then I looked, and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, so the blessed, uh, those who have entered eternal life, who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a sound from heaven, like the sound of rushing water, or a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. 
They were singing a new hymn before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And he goes on to speak a little bit more about that hymn. What would it be like to hear those heavenly uh, instruments playing and to hear the hymn sung by the blessed in the joy and delight uh, and security and communion with God, which is eternal life? Well, it may well be that uh, Vivaldi's Gloria may give us just a distant glimpse, at least as best as much as can be done humanly to get a feel for the exuberance and the delight and the joy of that. My invitation at this point actually would be to stop the listening right now, pause it, go on YouTube and uh, do a, a search for Vivaldi's Gloria and just the first movement is all you'd need. Um, and it's about two and a half minutes long, and just listen to it. I think if you do what we've just said, will make some very beautiful sense. All right, a second snapshot, and we move from the audio to the visual here. In the 15th century, Fra Angelico, who to my mind is the one who has best visually depicted holiness, if you look at his uh, his paintings and his saints there, there's a majesty and a depth and a richness and a beauty about them that, to my mind, is unmatched. Of course, there are other wonderful painters, but there's something, there's a holiness there. I'd say it that way, that probably we'd be hard put to find anyone who has visually portrayed holiness as richly as Fra Angelico. And among his many works is what is called the Fiesole Altarpiece, and it's in the church of San Domenico, which is near Florence. And what I'm specifically uh, considering here is what's called the predella. That is what you often find in these. There's the principal work of art. And then there's a strip of panel beneath the principal work of art. And that's the predella. If you look at this, and you can find it on the web, what Frangelico does here is to create a set of five sub-panels within this strip of painting which is situated below the, the, uh, the main painting. And in the central panel, you have Christ glorified, and the other panels portray the choirs of heaven that surround him, the court of heaven. And a golden light, done in the way that uh, Fra Angelico does it so beautifully, radiates from Christ. And around him, angels sing, and they play musical instruments. In the panel to the left of Christ, we see ranks of saints who are facing the risen Christ. You see Mary there kneeling at the head of the uppermost row. Uh, St. Peter is there holding the keys, St. Dominic. And to the right of Christ, you have biblical figures, men and women martyrs. So uh, St. John the Baptist, St. Stephen, St. Tecla, and a number of others. And then the two outermost panels depict saints from the Dominican tradition. So these men and women, and you see them in their black and white habits. You see, for example, St. Catherine of Siena among them. Now, I'll extend the same invitation. If you want, uh, just pause the uh, viewing or the listening right now. Do a Google search for Fra Angelico Fiesole Altarpiece, or even more simply, Fra Angelico Predella, P-R-E-D-E-L-L-A. It will come up, open it, enlarge it, and just take a little time to look at it. And just to get a feel visually now for the heavenly court and the joy and the beauty and the holiness and the richness and the delight and exuberance of it, I would say what Vivaldi does uh, in audio form, Frangelico does in visual form. And let's take a third and final snapshot. 
and maybe a little improbably, this is from C.S. Lewis's novel, That Hideous Strength, which is, um, it's both a grim portrayal of evil, but it's also a beautiful story of conversion. And at one point in the novel, Jane, who uh, has lived a, a life without any faith or ever even thinking seriously about faith, but basically assuming that this was uh, surpassed and that these are modern times. And so she's lived a kind of life without God. And at this point, driven by the pressure of, of circumstances, she goes to meet this man, Ransom, whose name already tells you a lot. There's something of a Christ figure uh, in this man. And in that meeting, her godless world is undone. And as they conclude their conversation, a simple meal is brought to Ransom, and he consumes it. And then, to her surprise, he takes the remaining crumbs and he tips them onto the floor, blows a single note on a little whistle, and three mice uh, come out and consume the crumbs and disappear. And he, he smiles and says to Jane, it's a nice arrangement. Humans don't want crumbs and mice like them. <laughs> so everybody's happy with the arrangement. But this leads Jane to begin to consider uh, hugeness. And at first she believes that she's considering her own hugeness with respect to the mice, how huge we must seem to them. But suddenly she realizes that's not it at all. She finds herself thinking of hugeness because she feels so small compared to something huge that is now approaching the space where she and the director are having, a Ransom, are having this conversation. And Ransom, who is experienced in these spiritual realities, recognizes the approach of uh, what C.S. Lewis in the novel calls an eldil, which is an angel, and uh, just gently invites Jane to exit the room. She's not yet ready for this. And now Jane is on the train returning home. And many things are stirring in her heart in this, after this transformative moment. One part of her protests, uh, she's lived her whole life in a different way, and this part protests against what's happening. Another part welcomes this whole new understanding and perspective in life. But above all, Lewis tells us, Jane is just simply and supremely happy, filled with joy, filled with life, and radiant. God has just begun to become real for Jane, and she has only experienced the distant approach of an angel. But she's changed, and a joy that she's never known now uh, expands in her heart. And I would say that Lewis's narrative, in its own different way, like that of Vivaldi, and Fra Angelico permits just a glimpse of heavenly glory, of angelic majesty, and of the ineffable joy that surrounds this. Having said this, however, the most complete view of the heavenly court as it sings God's praises is found in Scripture. And again, I would look to the book of uh, Revelation for this. So we're looking at Revelation chapter 7. When John is shown a vision, quote, of a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, race, people, and tongue, and they stand before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and their hearts thrill with the, the joy of salvation, um, of victory won through the blood of the Lamb, that's what the palm branches signify, and the gift of eternal life. And in loud voices, John tells us, they cry out, Salvation comes from our God, who is seated on the throne and from the Lamb. 
And then the angels, the elders, the living creatures, they prostrate themselves before the throne, worship God, and exclaim. And let's hear this almost word by word. Amen. Blessing and glory. Wisdom and thanksgiving. Honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I think really to to enunciate that verse, you'd need to have the the uh, power of a Vivaldi to set it to music in the way that someone like a composer like that could do. Now, can we visualize that scene as John describes it? The blessed, the angels, the uh, four elder creatures, the throne, the lamb, and entering in some way into the joy of their hearts, maybe just glimpsing it at a distance. Could we say those same words? And I'll invite us to do that now slowly, just to let this hymn of praise and what each of the words in it means stir within our hearts. Salvation Blessing Glory Wisdom, Thanksgiving, Honor, Power, and Might. Be to our God And so with angels and archangels With thrones and dominions And with all the hosts and powers of heaven We sing the hymn of your glory As without end we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts. Now all of this brings us to Venerable Bruno, who says this, At the preface, I will seek the sentiments and the heart of the heavenly court. What we've just glimpsed in these various ways, in the hearts of the blessed in heaven, the angels and the blessed, that's what Venerable Bruno invites us to ask for, to pray for, as we pray the preface together with the priest who proclaims it, and then respond with the holy, holy, holy. Now why? Why does he invite us to pray the preface with the sentiments and the heart of the blessed in heaven? So I'm just going to read here now the final lines of one of the many prefaces. This is the first preface for Sundays in Ordinary Time, but it can stand for almost all of them, uh, which use very similar language. So after the earlier part of the preface, and as we are moving toward the Holy, 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 this is how the preface concludes. And so, with angels and archangels, have you ever thought that when you are praying the preface together with the priest, 
You're praying with angels together with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, others of the heavenly choirs, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, angelic, the blessed. Think of the saints that you love, those who have gone before you, whom you've known and and you believe firmly are with God in heaven. So the church makes this explicit at the preface that when we sing God's praises at this point in the Mass, we are doing this together, let's call it with the church triumphant, the heavenly church, um, the angels, archangels, all the choirs of, of angels, all the hosts and powers of heaven, together with them, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we proclaim and we go into the prayer, holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are filled with your glory and so forth. Now let's just stop and grasp that truth. When we pray the preface, uh, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, lift up your hearts and we're uh, interacting with the priest and note the we that the priest uses here. This is all of us together. That at this point in the mass, the church explicitly reminds us that we are joined together with the angels and the saints around God's throne in heaven, joyfully uniting with them in the hymn of praise course, if we see that and understand that, we're going to pray the preface and the holy, holy, holy in a very different way. This might be another point just to pause and reflect on that truth. This is the depth and the richness of what is happening at this point. Father Gallagher, it is almost as you describe such an awesome experience. I don't know if I personally, maybe others haven't, realized in that moment. Sometimes when we try to vision what that may look like, it our imaginations may not be able to fully comprehend just the awesome nature of that. The only thing I can think of is, and you might think I'm foolish when I say this, but I've walked into an area where I've walked down a corridor and, and go up some steps and I walk into an arena with people cheering. And it may be like for a football game, but it's all of a sudden you're overwhelmed with a sound and in the corridor, you hear an echo and you begin to, you move closer. And all of a sudden, once you go up and you are at the, you've entered into the arena, it takes your breath away. Just the immensity of the crowd, the drowning out of sound where your voice ends up, you lose the sense of your own voice because there's such a throng of in this case, it's like a football game. I mean, it's praise for a team or a praise for an action that's happening. People can experience that at concerts and so many of other activities, but even more so, even more so in an immense way from what you've described, that's what's happening when we enter in through the door of this preface. Mm. Am, I, am I wrong on that? Yeah, that's a lovely, um, another lovely window into what Venerable Bruno is inviting us to experience in some way, well, to have in our heart, you know, as we're praying this part of the Mass. I think that's another lovely window into it. Whichever window brings us into it, I've just included a a few that, that I find helpful. There'll be others. And then that opens up, as you say so well, the uh, immensity and the richness, the profundity, the prayerful depth of what's happening as we are praying this part of the Mass. So again, I'll keep saying this is what I love about what Venerable Bruno does. He takes theological truth 
out of the abstract realm. It isn't, of course, abstract, but it can seem that way if we just hear it. You know, if someone just said to us, uh, just be aware that as you're praying the preface, remark those words at the end of it that you're joined in some way with the angels and the archangels, that may or may not capture our attention, you know, in any depth or at any length. But when you break it open, and Venerable Bruna, as always, puts a concrete face, in this case, faces upon it, then it's not abstract anymore. And because it's not abstract, you say, as we've said before, oh, that's doable. Yeah, I could do that. And it would help me pray this prayer according to its profound truth. And that's Venerable Bruno's goal in all of this. Can I touch on just a a brief point here that might be helpful for folks? The gift of our imagination. To be able to allow in this moment, imagine what this is like, but to really allow it to expand through God's grace into what that might be. Sometimes when you may be sitting in a small chapel or again in a full church or whatever that might be, sometimes we think this is the aspect of encounter. But when we think of what, say in our creed, we believe in things visible and invisible, sometimes only our imagination can help give the vision to what is actually occurring in this moment. There's a sense in what in which what Venerable Bruno is doing is very Ignatian here. And of course, he was very Ignatian, as we've seen in other settings. And we're well aware that Ignatius, in a way that is typical to him, perhaps not too often, at least precisely in this way, as concretely and practically uh, replicated, Ignatius integrates the imagination into prayer. And so you make that point of, very well. And I think Venerable Bruno is doing that here by proposing a concrete face, as it were, for each of these parts of the Mass, which moves the truth out of the, call it speculative, I've said abstract realm, and into the, the realm of what is practical, what is doable, the, the language of the heart. So if, when we engage our imagination in the Mass, it is powerfully effective to help us engage our hearts. Now, the Mass is imaginative. We're meant to see and hear and watch actions and participate in them. Uh, We have various bodily movements. All of that uh, dimension of our humanity uh, is, is, it's the incarnational aspect of our our Christian faith. Uh, All of our humanity is is meant to be engaged, and that's why we see and and hear and, and move and all the things that we do in the Mass What Venerable Bruno is doing is applying that truth in a very simple and practical way, as we're seeing, to the key parts of the Mass as they unfold. So here's my suggestion now. Take a moment to contemplate the heavenly court. I've suggested some ways of doing that. Um, Of course, biblically, we can do that. Whatever way helps you to do it, you may have your own ways that bring alive for you the truth of the heavenly, the blessed in heaven with the angels. See in whatever way it it helps you, see the angels and the blessed gathered around the throne as they worship and adore and sing God's praises. And let something of the warm and joyful sentiments that fill their hearts fill your own heart. And now pray the following preface and the Holy, Holy, Holy. Pray it slowly. So you have the three parts of this. You have the introductory dialogue, which we, in which we alternate with the priest, 
And then we have the priest who prays or sings the actual preface, and we join with him with our listening and participative hearts. And then we have the holy, 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 in which we join with the priest in praying or singing. So that's the, the conclusion of the preface. Pray this now. Pray it from your heart. Ask for something of the heart and sentiments of the blessed in heaven as you do this. And please, God, this rich spiritual exercise done now will be present to you when you pray the preface at Mass. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Yes, lift up your hearts in pra- Yes, lift your heart in praise. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Thanks for so many blessings received. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation. To give thanks to God is truly right, truly just, and a duty and a means of salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Always and everywhere. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for through his paschal mystery, his death and resurrection, he accomplished the marvelous deed by which he has freed us from the yoke of sin and death. Free in him to live without sin, free for the life beyond death. Summoning us to the glory of being now called a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We are this race and this priesthood. A holy nation, a people for your own possession. And a holy nation, belonging to the one who loves us. To proclaim everywhere your mighty works. Proclaim these by our lives, our witness, our words. For you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. You have given us Christ as our light and guide in this life. And so, with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, united with the heavenly court, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The vision of Isaiah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, a cry of praise and adoration. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowds call to Jesus on Palm Sunday, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mark chapter 11, verse 9. Hosanna in the highest. Pray the preface and the holy, holy, holy this way when you are at Mass with these sentiments. 
and with this heart. You've been listening to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. To obtain the book on which this series is based, A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit EWTN.com, the website for the publisher, EWTN Publishing. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to help support our mission of bringing free spiritual formation material to the world. But most of all, we hope you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for a biblical way of praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher.